0: Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Steve Fowler. We're uh, in this series called Identity Theft, and we started the series just talking about um, how God sees us. And we looked at Ephesians 1, and we saw how he sees us as pleasing and forgiven and blessed. He showered grace and kindness on us. He, uh, he loves us. He likes us. And we also recognize this reality, the fact that oftentimes the self-talk that goes on in our, in our minds speaks other kind of descriptions over us. Uh, we feel like a disappointment. We feel like a failure. We feel like we don't measure up, and our identity is robbed from us. Um, and in the first week, we talked about letting go of some of those names, those things that we speak over ourselves, and listening for a new name that God has for us. There's a whiteboard in the lobby. We'd encourage you in these weeks that um, if there's a new name you're hearing, uh, you've let, let go of the old name, a new name that God's spoken over you, would you write that on a name tag and just kind of attach it to that, that whiteboard out there? It'd be an encouragement to all of us to see those names and see what God's speaking over you. Um, but Jennifer talked to us last week about how our identity is robbed or stolen from us. She talked about this performance lie. She made a great, uh, I have a great insight on, on Peter's life. Peter, he's out fishing, uh, you know, Jesus is teaching and, and he's done fishing, no catch. Jesus says, go back out and fish, uh, go to the deep water. And Peter kind of reluctantly goes back out there and he throws the nets in. And as a commercial fisherman, he has the best day of business ever. And he realizes that the catch is connected to Jesus, and the sense of his holiness um, and and Peter's own depravity causes Peter to say, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinner. I'm not worthy to be in your presence. You can kind of hear the performance lie in him. Yet Jesus invites him to be a follower. Well, fast forward to when Jennifer talks about John 21 and how Peter, uh, he, he's fishing, and, and again, they have this incredible day of business, catching all these fish, and um, John recognizes that, it's the, that Jesus is the voice from the beach that said, throw your nets on the other side, tells Peter, and Peter jumps in the water and swims to Jesus. Now, you gotta realize this. Peter has just committed the biggest failure in his life, and instead of saying, I, I, I can't be around you, he actually goes to Jesus, which tells us that his understanding of being accepted and valued by Jesus is, is so, he's so rooted in this that even though he's created this blunder, he, he knows he's accepted and can be with Jesus. The power of the performance lie is that my value is connected to what I accomplish or what I can do. But, we, but the, the power of our identity speaks over us is that even in our blunders and our failures, that there is a God who still wants to be with us. And today, I want to talk to you about a different lie, uh, this different lie that, that's spoken over us that, um, that, that robs us of our identity, and it's the people-pleaser lie. Okay? it's this idea of that I need that I need to please people and their approval of me actually gives me value and um, and to help us in this I've kind of created a little bit of a quiz to help you because some of you already know that oh man this is my thing I, I really I, I value what people think about me and others of you you're not really sure so this will kind of help us discover how uh, how tight this grip of people pleasing uh, this people pleasing trap has on us so uh, I'm gonna have some questions on the screen multiple choice a B and see, you can self score. A is worth zero points. B is worth five points. C is worth 10 points. Four questions and uh, you, we'll just kind of start get us, start slow here. Um, go back to high school. if you are a high school student, maybe this one will, will make sense to you. You just got your driver's license and for six months no one can ride in the car with you except family. Your friend tells you that they need you to pick them up on the way to school. What do you do? A, you tell your friend no. B, you bring your mom or dad with you to pick up your friend because that wouldn't be awkward. C, you pick up your friend on your way to school. Okay, got your letter? All right, next question. Here we go. You've had an exhausting week at work and you want to spend Saturday resting. Your spouse's friend is moving and asks your spouse to ask you for help. What do you do? A, tell your spouse that you're exhausted and need a day of rest. B, tell your spouse that you can be there later in the afternoon. C, somehow you find yourself organizing the entire move. (laughs) Third question. You're out for dinner with your significant other and you really want your own fries. Completely fictitious scenario, okay? (laughs) Your significant other suggests you share an order of fries. What do you do? A. Tell them you're hungry and that they should order their own fries. B. Tell them that you are ordering your own, but you'll share a few. Or C. Share your fries because that's what Jesus would do. <laughs> Last question Your friend needs to borrow 50 bucks. Again, they ask you to loan them the money. What do you do? A. Tell them no. B. Tell them you can chip in a little, but you can't do the whole 50 bucks. C. You loan them 100 bucks. Okay, you got it scored Anyone score forty i got a few in the room uh, anyone if if, here, if you chose a for every question and you have zero points, you need to be here next week because we're going to talk about control. all right <laughs> We'll talk about that then. but hopefully somewhere in between you get a sense of how powerful this uh this pull is on you and and, and by the way, there's a tension to manage here I mean. Doesn't the Bible say that we are to prefer others above ourselves? Doesn't Jesus say to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him? I mean, doesn't he tell us to love our neighbor, to, to, to care for other people, to show kindness and, and to be compassionate? And there's a sense of, I mean, is it wrong to please your parents? Is it really bad to please your spouse or your employer? That's actually, some, that's, that's good. It's good to please uh, people. But what we're talking about is when I'm pleasing people and I'm not motivated because I'm trying to be like Jesus. I'm motivated because I get validation from other people's approval of me. I feel more valuable when people like me. That's what we're talking about. And that's the trap. This is what robs us of our identity that's rooted in the fact that we are a child of God. Now, Proverbs chapter twenty-nine, verse twenty-five says this: "Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety." Some of you have heard it this way: that the fear of man is a snare. The message paraphrase says that the fear of human opinion disables. I've got a rat trap here. I grew up overseas, so I'm pretty com- you know I, I know how to use these things because I, I grew up in Malaysia. In Malaysia, um, you know we have. We, we had rats. I mean, I'm talking rats. In America, nah, you've, we got rats, but they're small. There, when you catch a rat in a rat trap like this, the, the rat trap disappears. I mean, they're, they're big. There's a part of our town we lived in that was called Pulau Tikus. In, in Malaysian, what that means is the island of rats. So we had a few of them around, okay? So we, we'd, we'd set traps. And um, I put my glasses on because I want fingers. And uh, so we set the trap. We put the, the bait on, uh, on, the, on the trap, and I mean, you know how this works, right? The bait's there, you're sleeping at night, and you probably didn't have this experience, but we did. And, and then the trap, what, is Brian Candelo here? Because I could really use his help but right now. <laughs> Not here yet, hopefully he comes at 11 o'clock. Okay, so the trap goes off, and then, you know, and what we learned is when the trap would go off, that it then would travel across the room. And one time, there was this hole in the wall and the rat went through it, but the, the trap is like up against the wall doing this because the trap won't fit through the hole in the wall. And, um, and this is exactly what traps do, right? They, they hinder your freedom. They trap you. They, they capture you. And, um, and uh, that's exactly what people-pleasing does. It, it traps you. It hinders you. It keeps you from, put it this way, sometimes we are a collection of other people's expectations and it keeps us from living the life that God has for us. Let me say that again. Sometimes you and I become a collection of other people's expectations and we miss out on the life that God has for us. So, what I want to do today is I want to look at 1 Samuel chapter 15. So, if you've got your Bibles, go to 1 Samuel 15. And I want to look at a passage here and highlight for us the ways that we get entrapped in the people pleasing trap. And, uh, and then I want to talk about how to get free. I want to talk about um, the idea of uh, getting back to our identity in, in Christ. Uh, If you go to page 241 in your pew Bible, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, uh, pew Bible looks just like the one I'm using. Page 241, go there. Uh, You'll find this story if you're not used to kind of finding your way in the Bible there. On that page, you'll see uh, big numbers, little numbers. Big numbers are chapters. Little numbers in between sentences are verses. And that's sort of like an address that you can go to to find exactly where we're reading. I'm gonna read in the top left-hand corner of page 241. You'll see a little number 10 there, it's verse 10. I'm gonna read this story, but let me just set the context. Uh, Saul is is this guy's name, he's the king of Israel, and God has given him a command. He is supposed to go attack uh, these people, they're called the Amalekites. And he's not just supposed to attack them, he's supposed to completely wipe them out, Just, just completely wipe them out. Don't take any of the plunder, nothing. All the animals, everything is supposed to be wiped out and killed, which kind of, that kind of bugs us a little bit. You know, our sensibilities are a little bit shocked by that. But what you need to understand here, when you think about the, the Amalekites, think like ISIS. Think about people who've committed atrocities. And what God is doing is he is meting out justice. He wants justice to take place, and he wants Saul to take care of that, uh, that, that justice. So let me read here verse 10. Let's talk about this people-pleaser trap. It says, Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel, by the way, who's the prophet, uh, was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul, and someone told him, Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself. Then he went to Gilgal, when Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I have carried out the Lord's command. Then what is all the bleeding of sheep and goats and the lowing of cattle, I hear, Samuel demanded. It's true that the army spared the best of the sheep, goats, and cattle, Saul admitted, but they're going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We have destroyed everything else. Then Samuel said to Saul, stop. Stop. Listen, listen to what the Lord told me last night. What did he tell you, Saul asked. And Samuel told him, although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of, of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel and the Lord sent you on a mission and told you go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? let hit the pause button there. The command's been given, Saul didn't do it, he's kind of done part of it, and he's confronted. And, um, and, and you'll see here that Saul becomes a collection of other people's expectations. And he indeed misses out on the life that God has for him. And here's the first way this people pleaser trap gets us. We end up pursuing other people's destinies. That God has a destiny for Saul. Isn't it interesting that God says to Saul through Samuel that even though you think very little of yourself, Saul has a high calling on his life? He is to be king of Israel. He's is the one who is to lead. But what's happening in the story is, in fact, other people are leading him. And he ends up pursuing other people's destinies instead of the destiny for himself of being king and obeying God. And the thing about this trap and why it's so devastating to us and how we become a collection of other people's expectations is that we forget that we too have a calling, that God has gifted us. You have been gifted by the Most High God. He has a calling on your life. And and it would be a, a big mistake to think little of yourself, to think little of that calling. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says this: For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. When we give in to the people pleaser trap, we end up saying no to the things that God has called us to, and yes to the demands. Of others, and we end up pursuing other people's destinies. Let me keep going here uh, in the text, because Samuel, I mean Saul, is going to reply to uh, to Samuel in verse twenty. He says, "But I did obey the Lord." Saul insisted, "I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goats." cattle and plunder to sacrifice the Lord your God in Gilgal. Yeah, we didn't wipe out everything, God, but but we're going to do something religious. We're going to do church with this stuff, and we're going to make sacrifices. And Samuel replies, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft, and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So, because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Then Saul admitted to Samuel, Yes, I have sinned. Now, listen to what Saul says I have disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command, for I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. I was afraid of the people and I did what they demanded. Sometimes we find that we're a collection of other people's expectations. People make their demands of us. They want life to happen a certain way. Yet there's something in this that we realize that ah, that's not really what I'm supposed to do or I wanna do. And, and and yet the fear of them causes us to make decisions that that run counter to what would what would be pleasing to God or pleasing them rather than God. And actually you know, when we become this collection of other people's expectations, we find that we're pursuing other people's destinies. And the second thing we do is we get led into sin. It's the classic peer pressure, this, this vice that comes in on us, that, you know, ah, I really want this person to like me. If I tell them no, maybe, or if I don't change my mind, maybe they'll, maybe they won't like me. And, and our sense of value gets stolen from us by what people think about us. A lot of years ago, when I was a production manager for Lord Jensen in in Hood River, Oregon, it's a fishing tackle manufacturing company. Uh, I'm walking the hallways, I'm checking on different departments, and this guy named Raul comes out, and he's got a magazine in his hand. It's rolled up in his hand. And I can see him kind of looking over his shoulder and looking back and seeing if anyone's around. And he comes up to me, and he unrolls the magazine in front of me, and I can see it's a Playboy magazine. And he says to me, Steve, you're not a Bible thumper, are you? And uh, you you ever been there? I mean, not that situation, perhaps, but a situation where something gets presented to you and um, you find that there's this pressure on you uh, to be accepted. Now, I didn't like how he was defining what it meant to be a Christian. Are you a Bible thumper? And I didn't like the idea that what he, I, I knew where this was going. He wanted to open the magazine and show me some stuff. So I looked at him and I just said, you know, Raoul." I am a Bible thumper, I'm a follower of Jesus. And his face got white and I think he remembered that I was his boss and he quickly jetted down the hallway. (laughs) But you've all been there, it may not be that, but there's this pressure put on you, pressure to fit in, pressure to be liked. And if you don't give in, there's this risk of not being liked by that person and somehow your sense of value is attached to them liking you. Friends, this is what's going on with Saul. He's pursuing other people's destinies. And now it's led him to sin. And then there's a third thing that happens in this text. It's the very next verse. uh, Verse 25, Saul says, but now please forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. Verse 30 says, and Saul pleaded again, I know I have sinned, but please at least honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel by coming back to me so that I may worship the Lord your God. Here's what the third thing that happens. This people-pleaser trap. It causes hypocrisy. It, we become this collection of other people's expectations. We pursue other people's destinies. It leads us into sin, and then it creates this hypocrisy. Here's what Saul is saying. Samuel, I look, I know I've blown it, and I know I gave in the demands of other people, and, and I've sinned, but I want you to be with me in front of the others so they can see us together, and then they will know that God is with us, and, and they'll. I want you to present... Like, we'll present ourselves together. I want them to see an image of me that's different than the reality of me. And it creates this hypocrisy. And here's the, here's the funny thing. Here's the army of Israel, and, and they've made their demands of Saul. And here's Samuel over here, and, and God has made some requests and some demands, and Saul is in between the demands of the people, the request of God or the demands of God, and listen to the language of Saul. They, them, the army, come with me, Samuel, so I can worship the Lord your God. Interesting, isn't it? He's caught right in the middle. Friends, this is the power of the people pleaser trap. It snaps on you, and you find yourself just hindered and this pressure. And sometimes we find that we are a collection of other people's expectations. And we miss out on the life that God has for us. One other observation I would make about the people pleaser trap, you won't find it in 1 Samuel 15, but later on today, go to John chapter nine, read that story. Jesus heals a blind man, been born blind from birth. The religious people today are not happy about that. I don't know why. Well, I do know why, because they don't like Jesus, and Jesus is the one who's healed him, and they're tracking Jesus down. And um, so they're interviewing the blind man, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. The blind man is calling Jesus a prophet and saying good things about him, and they don't like that. So they bring in his parents, and they bring the parents in, and they say, is this your son, and was he born blind from birth? And they... They yeah, he's our son. Yes, he was born blind from birth. They know how he was healed. But what they say is, he's of age. Talk to him. Let him tell you how he was healed. And John tells us the reason they deflected was because they were afraid of the threats of being kicked out of the synagogue. Here's the fourth thing that happens to us when the people please trap gets us. We become silent about Jesus. We stop talking about him. Fear keeps us from telling people the best news ever. I mean, think about it for a moment. Who would you be telling about Jesus if fear wasn't gripping you? The power of rejection, the power of disapproval sometimes paralyzes us. It entraps us and hinders us from living the life that God's called us to live. And we end up being a collection of other people's expectations and miss the life that God has for us. Well, that's cheery. How do we get free from this trap, right? It's powerful. How do we live into this true identity that, that we're loved by God? And it's not about performance and it's not about people's approval. How do we get free from that? Let me just give you a few options of that and then we'll, then we'll wrap up. The, the first thing I would say is simply this: remember that Jesus couldn't please everybody, not everyone loved Jesus. Certainly there were crowds of people that loved to be with him. They'd follow him wherever he went and so they could see a miracle or hear his teaching. Um, He he had to sometimes find lonely places so he could get away from the crowds. There were people who loved being around him, but there were people who did not like him because he challenged the structures of the day. And um, they eventually would crucify him. Friends, uh, Jesus said this in Luke chapter 6. Jesus said, woe to you when all men speak well of you. That should be a bit of a, of a signal flare, flag. When everyone is speaking good about you, you might want to ask yourself the question, am I a collection of other people's expectations? A second thing I would say is this, getting free. Remember that what, it's, what seems so important now is only temporary. Um, There are things that are really important to you in high school, some of you are in high school, and there are things that are really important to you now, and in 20, 30 years, they won't be important anymore. Some of you can think back to high school, and what was important was that game, getting the part in the play, getting good grades, going out on that date, getting into that college, that was important then, but you've matured, right? The things that are important then are no longer important now. And uh, that, that's, that's the gift of maturity. You've met immature people that when you go back to your high school reunion, they start, they're still talking about that game. They're still talking about that moment and that touchdown pass. It's like they peaked in the 11th grade, all right? But what was important then, it's not that it was meaningless. It, it, it was important then. It just isn't important now. Things have, time has gone by. It, just, it was temporary. And, and what we have to realize is that one day we will stand before our God, and he will declare his love for us, and, 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 and we'll give an account for our life. And what we want to make sure is that we are, we are living with an eternal, we're making decisions based on an eternal perspective. Somebody pulled a, a prank on uh, Walmart some years ago. They broke in and changed all the prices um, took things that were really cheap and made them really expensive, and uh, took really valuable, expensive things and made them cheap, so that when the doors opened and customers started coming in the next day, they saw this LCD TV and thought, "Man, this thing's usually a thousand dollars. It's like nine ninety-nine. What a great deal!" And this, you know, box of pencils or you know, paper that was, you know, like uh, you buck know, ninety-nine was was you know, over thousand dollars. And it was confusing for people. And the stuff that was valuable was cheap. The stuff that was cheap was valuable. And friends, what we need to understand is this is exactly what the enemy of our souls does. He takes the cheap stuff and says, this is, this is valuable. He takes the valuable stuff, switches the price tags, and says, says it's meaningless and cheap, which is why people chase after fame, success, and money. And that's all temporary. Remember, keep an eternal perspective. Romans chapter 12 verse two says this, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, but let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good. Last thing I would say is this, make God big. Make him big. Jeff talked about this earlier, that God is in a class all his own. Psalm 34, oh, come, let us magnify the Lord together. Let's exalt his name and make him great. This is what we're doing today. You are making God big because when we gather as the church, we're reminding ourselves of who God is and who we are. We're singing, holy, holy, holy. This God is a cut above. And he's not just holy and not only a cut above in in impurity. He's a cut above in mercy and he's a cut above in love. He's a cut above in compassion and a class all his own. What happens is when we make God big and these other things come around and people's expectations come our way, we can say no to them and be free from the people-pleaser trap. But what the enemy of our souls wants to do is switch the price tags and wants us to make people big. And when we make people big, God gets small. He becomes small. So friends, if you want to be free from this trap, make God big. And you... You will live a life that's approved by him and you will please him. You already are pleasing to him. But you will honor him with your life and be free from that trap and be able to live into your identity because you are forgiven, you are a blessing, you've been showered with grace. He loves you, yes, he even likes you. And when that sinks in, the approval of men the sense of needing to perform, we don't find our value in that. Let's pray about that. So Lord, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that um, you showed us the life that we're called to live. You lived it for us. For some of us in the room, uh, the, the approval rating of those around us, man, it's just a pressure and a stress. Would you free us? Would you, would, you, would you empower us by your spirit to live a life that's pleasing to you, that honors you? Free us from the mold that the world wants to put on us so we can honor your name. May it be so. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.